Um, we did get one, one more person to help. So if, you're, uh, if you would like to, or if you're willing to come check it out, uh, let me know at service and then I'll get you more information. Uh, we are, well, sorry about that, brother. Elliot, we, we had to hide him in the uh, drummer cage, drummer fort over there. So uh, We are, we're entering and kind of the liturgy of, of church history and tradition and what Emily had alluded to is called Holy Week, uh, recognizes is our time to remember that last week of Jesus's life. And so today, today we, we talk about the Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, and, and we prepare for what's known as Good Friday, which was the bad news, good news that Jesus was killed. Bad news, good news, he took care of our sin. Good news again, he didn't stay dead. Right, right? So in turn, we have this hope that we can become like him, the firstborn, the first reborn, right? The first resurrected to eternal life. Uh, our Lord, brother, friend, creator, a list so big that it'll make your brain melt because you don't understand it. And so what's cool is I can be a little rebellious at times to liturgy, but God had to, you know, talked to me this week and said, think about it, millions of people throughout the world. We can be united today in, in remembering this. So we are taking a break, not, not necessarily because we're still going to be in John, but we're in the book of John right now, and we're in chapter 6. So you can see from this slide here, now I'm going to fast forward to, to what's recorded in John 12. It's also in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, and we'll deal with some of that scripture today, but let me pray before we get into this. Father, uh, please lead. Please give me your words. Redirect this. I won't do any of the slides if you want, Lord. You know all, all the men and the women uh, that you made, that you created, that you loved, and you brought them here today. And so you have a plan and, and a work, Lord. And, and so I surrender to that. Please use me. Please help me to get out of the way, Lord. Please use the music, the environment, everyone's neighbors. Use everything like you only can do, Lord, and as we remember you as we look at these accounts of your life and ask you to teach us from them. Uh, we pray this, Jesus, because of what you did, because of your victory, because of your grace and your power. We love you. Amen. So if, if you would, we're going to be in Matthew 21, Luke 19, and John 12. So if you want to, you know, if you want to look at all of those scriptures, you can kind of mark or or if you want to focus on one, I'll have the scriptures on the slides up front here, okay? So let's start with this, okay? What's up with the Palm and Palm Sunday, right? Right? Now, let me, let me before we dig in, uh, here's the disclaimer. I know I'm graying out a little bit, but I was not alive in ancient times. I know, I know, I know. Some of you, my kids, you guys are surprised. Yeah, I was not alive when Jesus was here. Um, so I've never lived in that part of the world. But uh, so I'm having to go off of what others have told me, what historians have told me, and yes, what the internet has told me over time. And we know the internet has never been wrong. But I've, I've tried to check all this information. But here is my, my pea brain understanding of what, why, what's up with the Palm and Palm Sunday, okay? Now, I chose a picture of palms in the desert 
Because what you can see in history, not just in church history, but in history of the world, is, is there's a significance to the palm branch, the, the, you know, the palm tree. And one of the things that's really significant, the, the, what it symbolizes the fact that it can exist and look green in the middle of a desert, right? And you can take a look and you can see palm trees that will hold up to, you know, weather that other plants will not survive and still look majestic and green, these, these, these palm fronds, these, these branches. So oftentimes it was used to symbolize victory. Okay? Athletes would, would, would adorn themselves with these things. Kings were celebrated with these things. Which it makes sense, what, right? Because they, they encountered adversity, uh, the desert, if you will, and storms, and yet still made it through. Did you see the, see the connection there? So what was common with that is, is you'll see that showing up in, in all sorts of like celebratory places. It was, it was uh, represented in art and, and carved into walls. It was uh, adorned in awards. It was often used and the coronation of kings, okay? And, and another thing is, is the Jews themselves, right? And, and the feasts of booths or tabernacles, it was common. They would try to remember what God had done, right? To, to bring the Israelites out. And it's always back to that, right? Look what God has done to rescue us. And so in the remembrance of that, at one point in time, the, the, the people would build temporary shelters, from palm fronds. And they, w- they would stay in there. They would do f- feasting and fasting and, and in some of these ceremonies, sacrifices. So it was commonly incorporated in the culture, represented celebration, represented achievement, represented royalty. You see that? Okay. Now, now just before we get into that, so you can see, right, you remember from the story, if you haven't heard this before, uh, one of the gospel accounts talks about them, the people, when Jesus comes into the city, taking these palm fronds and, and laying them out, right, to, to adorn this new king. That's where that comes in. So let's talk about where we left off, because we don't want to just necessarily forget what we were just talking about. But in John chapter 6, remember what Jesus did on the water? What did he do on the water? He walked on the water. So that, that's uh, noteworthy. I would say, yeah. Now, before that, what happened is, how, how many people did he feed? Like 5,000 plus women and children. And he did that from how much food? So it was like five loaves, two fish. Miraculous thing. He fed people till they were full. Off of, and we're talking the 5,000 people didn't include women and children. So we know it was at least 5,001 because there was a boy that had the fish and the loaves. But more likely, we're talking 10 to 20,000 probably or more. Very miraculous. The people were fed. God did what they wanted him to do, feed them. And so they were really happy with them. So what it says there in, in chapter 6, verse 15, that Jesus, perceiving that, that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, like, we want you to be our king, and he said, no, thank you. Jesus withdrew and went away on the mountain by himself. He's like, it's not time for me to be king. Remember that? If you were here, if not, that's what happened. Uh, the crowds gathered. 
He spoke to them. As they tried to get him to become the king they wanted him to be, he was usually like, I got to go. And then Mark adds in chapter 6 of his account, part of the problem, uh, then they go out onto the water, right? And they, they go into a big storm. The guys are freaking out. Jesus is still on the land. It's night. It's storming. They look over. They see some kind of figure walking on the water. And what do they think it is? Ghost. It's not a ghost. It's Jesus. And, and Mark adds this, verse 50, chapter 6, for they saw him and they were terrified, but immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Now, uh, without getting too off track here, what it's saying is, yeah, they were freaking out about the water because what had happened with the, the fish and the loaves had not yet been understand, understood by these men. That their hearts were still kind of closed off, hardened to what God was trying to show them through Jesus. In his power. Do you see that? So we have, we have the people, two things happening. People are always wanting God to be the God of their kingdom, right? And then Jesus has perfect timing. And then also we don't understand because our hearts can be hardened. Our eyes can be blind and we can be deaf to what's really going on. Okay. Now we can make fun of those guys, the knucklehead people in that, you know, in the early church or the knucklehead disciples. But here's where we are now. We still, we don't see clearly, right? Emily just referred to that in in 1 Corinthians. It's like, listen, we, we don't hear clearly. We don't see clearly. We don't understand fully. As a matter of fact, we usually miss it. It's why in mankind we have this really funny saying that says hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Because I didn't see it then. Now I see it more clearly. And many things we just will never get as long as we live, okay? Do you guys live in that world too? Or is it just me? Over here, you guys? We together? Yeah, yeah, right? Okay, here's a safer question for you guys. Do you see other people living in this world? They just don't get it, right? Okay. Might it be true that you're the same way? Yeah, right? What about you guys over here? Do you see that in other people? Okay, what about yourself? Yeah. Do you see that in a people when your phone is on selfie mode? You see yourself and you're like, yes, this person doesn't get it. They don't see clearly. It's a mini celebration every time I, God reveals a new thing to me, right? Uh, but I know I have a long way to go. And... And then the truth is, if we hear, if we see, if we understand something that we didn't before, what's written to us, and and I believe it's true, because I believe what the Bible says is truth, is given by God, that the only reason why I understand or I get it is not because I'm so smart or strong or evolved or enlightened. It is because God, in his power, his kindness, his patience, his mercy, His power through the Holy Spirit has opened my eyes or ears to something. Okay? Um, Are are you guys following me on that? Are we on the same page? You get that. So let's not forget that when we're looking at this. Um, The Holy Spirit is the one that reveals. 
And that's one of the cool things about my wife. She'll be like, well, did you ask God to help you understand what you don't understand? Right? Did you ask the Lord through the Holy Spirit to show you how, how to change this? Did you, did you ask him to move in you and change, your, change and, and transform your thinking and your motives and work in your heart? Right? No, I want to do it. I want to understand, to see, to know, but I don't go to the source to help me see, hear, understand, or know. Just like these guys. Here's the big error that comes from that. In error, we, people, all of us, we expect or hope that God, and, and I did that in the quotation mark, because that could be Jesus, the Holy Spirit, right? They're God. We expect and or hope that God will rule over the kingdom that we built. Well, that's a little cliche for you. I know it is, but it's true, right? That's why people say that. But please understand, I want this my way. And this is what we're going to encounter with Jesus today. Tons of people who have built their ideas of what the kingdom of God should look like, where it should exist, how it should see, taste, smell, right? And appear, and when it should. Long enough intro for you? Okay, we were good. You guys got your Bibles. Matthew, Matthew's account, chapter, what we call chapter 21, verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. I mean, at first read, this is crazy, right? They're coming into the city and Jesus is like, hey, you guys, go in there. When you go there, you'll see a colt, right? And it's mom, a donkey colt, and it's, and it's mom. And bring them to me. If anyone stops you, say the Lord needs it. And before I've said, well, that's kind of interesting. Is this a supernatural thing that's happening or is this a practical thing? I don't know. Well, it goes on to say, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Here's a little side, here's a bonus lesson, okay? If, if reading the Bible is kind of newer to you, and it's a, good, it's a good reminder of us who've been reading this our whole life, whenever you see that, it, it's written, or it's been said, or... This is to fulfill what's been spoken by a prophet. It's usually referring to some kind of writing that these people studied their entire life, right? The writings that we call the Old Testament, the laws and the prophets. So this is, this is from Zechariah 9.9, which said this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, right, the foal of a donkey. Which had to be weird when they heard that. Because, I mean, what, how would a king show up? Right? Stately, not on a wee little donkey, right? Like, come on, man. Right? Yeah, so you see that. Now, that's a, so that's a reference to something. And, like, you and I, 
we learned about the presidents if you went to school in America, and maybe you learned spelling. There's things that we learned. But if you were one of these kids that grew up in that Jewish culture, you would have studied these scriptures your whole life, these, these prophets. So it's like, ah. Oh. Not at first they didn't see it, but they're now like, ah, oh, that's what it was, Emily. He had to ride the baby donkey, right? Like, that's what was going on here. And, but how weird. But when Zachariah said that, they probably thought he got into some mushrooms or something. Like, I don't know what this guy's doing. Like a donkey, the king on a donkey. So we're going to see things, okay? When you see this in the scripture, I just listed a bunch of names, which is referring to what we would call the Messiah or Jesus the Christ, right? Jesus the Messiah. So uh, this, this reference like your king, referring to this ultimate promise king. They could call him the son of David, the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the deliverer, the great and mighty king, the final king. See, the idea is this, their whole life and their grandparents' whole life and their grandparents' grandparents' whole life, they've been talking about God, Yahweh himself, sending this Messiah, this anointed one to rule over his people and to bring them to glory. And the last time they saw something so awesome as a nation was when David was the king and then his son Solomon. And so they they talked a lot about this son of David that would come from his descendants and that he would be a king great like David. And when you heard that, you automatically thought of all the amazing things these people did under David's rule and under his son Solomon's rule. And they assumed they were going back to that. So over time, they constantly, no matter what they were going through, their hope lied in that this, this ruler, this final king of all kings would come back. And they had a lot of ideas about what that should look like. And lots of prophecy foretold about this one. Okay, so back to the story. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds went before him, And followed him, and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. See, there's the son of David. You see that? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up and saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So so here's what Matthew's saying, right? This is Matthew's account. Matthew, uh, we believe it was written by the tax collector, that changed his life and followed Jesus. Okay, so he walked with them. And so his account, he's talking about that. Uh, They're going towards the city. He's developing a crowd. Sometimes you see like Jesus on the donkey in the picture riding into a city waiting for him. Not really. What was happening here is you have him starting in a place and gathering more and more people that knew him. And then it's the whole parade. We're talking... Macy's Day Parade coming in without the balloons, right? It's a donkey, a wee donkey, right? So we got that um, going on. So let, let's add to the story. Luke, Luke, tell us what, what, you'd, what you'd want to tell us. This is believed to be written by Luke, who was what, do you guys know what he did as a job? He was a doctor. Um, and whose who's oral account is he supposed to be sharing with us? Paul's, yeah. And, and probably some he got from other, other people, but... 
We don't know that he was there at the parade, okay? So he's adding this. Luke 19, 29. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent the two disciples. See, he's going to do it here again. Saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, which no one has ever yet sat. Now that's significant because uh, a royal social norm would be that the king would have his own horse bred for him that no one else rode. So he specifically chose a donkey, a young one. Why? It had never been ridden by anyone else. And no one would expect the king to come in on a little donkey, right? So that, that's interesting too. So he says, go into the village in front of you where, you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on wind which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it, right? Just like he said. And they brought it to Jesus. So apparently these are like, okay. They brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it and he rode along. They spread their cloaks on the road. Now, let me stop here for a second. I don't know. Now, see, I can tell you, hey, you come into Prescott Valley. Okay, when you're over in that part of town, go over off Mesquite, go knock on this door, you'll find Josh and Jackie. There's a large dog there, adequate for riding, named Diesel. <laughs> Take him. And if Josh or Jackie stop, you say, Will needs him. And they'll let you take him. So I can have small children ride him. Right? Like, now... Now, the reason why I could do that is because I know them. I know that dog. Uh, we think of Jesus in Jerusalem, but he's starting, right? Bethany, Bethphage, these are areas he knew and loved. And what we'll find out a, a little bit later in a different account is this is the area where, do you know what he did? You know the guy Lazarus, his friend? What happened to Lazarus if you know that story? He died. Like they said, Jesus, Lazarus is sick, he's going to die. He's like, I'll be there days later, right? I'll, we'll wait. And then he dies. He comes back. He's been dead. He's already stinking, and Jesus raises him from the dead. And people are, what is this guy, right? So he has this huge following in this area. So when he gets there, these are like his homies. He's raised their friend from the dead. All the Jews are wanting to kill him now because he must be some zombie freak, right? And they want to kill Jesus. So this is the parade, do you see? It's Lazarus, it's people that he knows, it's a city that he knows. So it's like, yeah, go see Josh and Jackie. They have a donkey, a baby donkey. Take it, just say Will needs it, right? I mean, that's, that's basically, that could be an explanation. Or maybe it was just like, like Jedi, like the Lord needs it. Okay, take my donkey. I don't, I don't know. Okay, whatever helps you sleep better, go with that. But, but ultimately know that God is in control. Um. And so then this big act, right, they, they take their cloaks off and they throw it on the colt. And then even more than that, they throw them on the road. And this is another, this is another example of a kind of a coronation, a, a kingly thing. Second Kings, this was recorded in Second Kings chapter 9, verse 13. Then in haste, every man took his garment and put it under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and they proclaimed, Jehu is king. 
a really poor brief history lesson. There was a king called Ahab. He had a lady friend named Jezebel. Bad dude and dudette, okay? Killed prophets, not good. Jehu is the guy that God called and anointed to be the next king. He's the guy that ran Jezebel over with horses in, in his chariot when they threw her out of the window to get rid of her. It, it was under his, his control authority. They, they killed the kings. So the nation at this point in time was like, yes, finally, God, you came back for us. You got rid of Jezebel and the bad king. Like, we're so excited. We're taking our shirts off and throwing them on the ground so that the horse can stomp on it. And put that green grass clumps on there, right? Like, you were so happy about what God was did, he could have everything. So there's another allusion to this coronation that's happening with Jesus. Here in Luke 19.37, let's add a little bit more. And he was drawing near, already on the way to the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had been saying, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. See, they're doing it just like Jehu. But who do they want to go away? The Romans, right? They're, they've been occupied by yet another group who's controlling them. And this Messiah is supposed to be like King David, a warrior king that conquered nations, gave them great wealth and prosperity. Right? who had this vision to build the temple, whose son did build the temple, who lived in great prosperity among the world. And they thought, yes, finally, right? I'm taking my shirt off, I'm so excited. Throwing my outer shirt, throwing it down. I'm cutting, I'm ripping off branches and I'm throwing them on the ground like, victory, we did it, we made it. He's here, he's coming, he's gonna take over the land, right? He's gonna be our king, he's gonna rule, he's gonna do something to kick the Romans out. Finally, my kids won't have to live with what I lived through or my grandkids. That's exciting. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory on the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the people, the very stones would cry out. About then, it's not recorded, but the guys are like, woo, okay. Yeah, right? Like, this guy's crazy, man. Who does he think he is? We got to kill him. Okay, add some more. John 12. We're reading Bible in church. This is cool, right? John 12. 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees. See, they, they gave us the palm trees. That's, that was like sexier, so we did that. Otherwise, it'd be the branch Sunday, because the other one's like branches, or I don't know, donkey Sunday. I don't know, that wouldn't be, yeah. One guy joked, he said, there's enough donkeys in the seats already. And I'm like, that's a pretty, ah. Sounds like my sense of humor. And the donkey up front with the microphone, right? Um, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palms and went, to, went out to meet him, right? You could just see him running with those palm branches. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a donkey and sat on it. 
John, he's a little more brief, right? Because John's whole purpose in our studying is he goes, I want you to believe that Jesus is God, right? That he's the son of God, that he's the Lord. And in believing in him, it's going to change everything and you're going to have real life. So he doesn't, does not going to belabor the details of they went over to the people's house and said, I need, the Lord needs your donkey, right? So he left that part out. He just said, they got a donkey, a young donkey and sat on it. Just as it's written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. I love this. Thank you, John. Verse 16, because it's true and it's still so true. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. So his own disciples are walking with them, right? And they're just like throwing their cloaks, getting that. And like, what are you guys doing? I I don't even know. It's just like, we're all doing it. I'm not quite sure what he's up to. And only decades later, John, who's an older man now, is talking about this. And he goes, I see it more now. I have the Holy Spirit. I have more, I've walked through more decades with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. Now, as I'm looking back, I see, man, one by one, he was satisfying all the prophecies said by him. And he was up to something profound. And I was freaked out and I didn't know what to do. And I was waving a palm branch. I was throwing my jacket on the ground and like, oh man, I don't even know. We didn't know what was going on. Thank you, John. That's me. That's you, right? And don't let somebody tell you that Jesus is the guy who's like, you don't get it, you're out. Jesus is the guy that's like, okay, no one gets it, but you guys kept going with me. That's the difference between him and all these people he encountered. They didn't get it, and they're like, I don't get it, I guess I'm out. But these guys, man, they didn't get it, but they're like, okay, yes. Yeah, right? Like, yes, what? I don't know what we're doing. Verse 17, this gives us a a good picture too. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. I mean, this is his parade. These guys know him. They've, They've been together. They've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. They've had meals with Lazarus since then. They've seen it wasn't a joke. They saw his sisters mourn for days, right? They, they were with him. And the reason why the crowd went to meet him is what they'd heard. Because they met him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, look, see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Prescott Valley translation, look. We can't stop this guy. We can't turn the people from him. Okay, so let's let's talk about that story. Okay, let's just go back on all three of those accounts. Um, and you have Mark in there, and Luke, and John, and Matthew. So Jesus goes, and he goes to a place where he's familiar. In some of the accounts, talk to you about, about a meal he has, uh, time he has with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, right? And there's a, they have the meal together. He's there. 
people are coming because they've heard about Lazarus. And in nearby Jerusalem, they've heard about it. It's, the anger is growing for Jesus. They're trying to pin him down. And every time they do, they go to all these events, the religious people, because they want to find him being making false claims that they can kill him for. But every time they try to get their hands on him, every time they try to corner him, every time the people try to make him a king and start an uprising, he just bails. And they keep hearing and seeing these miraculous things. And so now he's here amongst friends and, and these people gather together and he says, he even tells his followers, like, I'm going to go into Jerusalem and they're going to arrest me and kill me. And they're like, let's have a parade, right? So they go together and the people following him and the people meeting him in Jerusalem. And John says it's palm branches. And someone else says branches. And then the other guy doesn't even mention the branches. But there's this colt and a baby colt. And this guy, Jesus, clothes, he's been on the road. He probably still smells like nard oil from from Mary, right? But but probably oily hair or something. I don't know, right? You not look at his best. No, no kingly robe on the wee baby donkey, right? Like going into the town, a donkey that's never been ridden before, following its mom, people throwing their cloaks on the ground and branches and a crowd hollering, Hosanna, like save us, save us, save us. It's happening, it's happening. Emily, it's happening. He's going to be our new king. We're going right in. We're going to take Jerusalem. We're going to kick the Romans out. It's happening. Even his disciples are like, I've been waiting for this, man. I've been sharpening my knife. And they're like, get the baby donkey. Well, should we get a horse, man, like a stallion? And don't you need a sword or something? And they walk in. And there begins this week. The data is mind-blowing. I think it's like, out of the Gospels, all four of them have this account. And I think some of the Gospels, it's, you know, like a, a fourth of the Gospel is just the last week. Some, it's like two-thirds. One, it's almost half. There's so much that happens in this last week. It's a majority of what the writers wanted to tell us about. That's why there wasn't room for every story about the four-day walk. And who snored and who didn't, right? That's left out because there's so much in this last week. And so we prepare our hearts for that last week. And we look to Jesus so that we know about him. And then we look at ourselves to know that we can prepare ourselves. Because next week we remember what Jesus did for us. And and we always remember that. But we prepare ourselves. And what's crazy is all the people that were following him. They didn't get it. Is that, is that okay? Were they wrong to follow him? I don't know. So let's see, what was Jesus up to? Let me see if I can bring all that together, because those are cool stories, cool little facts. What you can see clearly is that Jesus orchestrated this. Up until this point, everyone was trying to orchestrate him being announced as king. And he was like, no, no, it's not yet my time, not yet my time, not yet my time. Now he's like, okay, you two, please go into town 
get that donkey. If anyone stops you, tell them the Lord needs it, brings it to me. Okay? And then the people throw the cloaks on there. They go riding into town. It's his coronation. It's his time. But it's his way. I mean, to the world, he probably looked like a joke. Right? Like a joke. What? What kind of poor king is this? He can't even afford anything but a baby? Donkey, a wee, wee little donkey, right? Like, he comes in on that and, and no robe and no army. He's got, like, just people on foot. He presents himself as king. Right? And I think that's hard because what he does is he's forcing their hand, you see. Because the problem with American Christianity is we love Jesus as a teacher, as a savior of you forever, but we, we don't accept him as king. We don't even get king. Our kings we make fun of. Our kings we hate. Our kings we try to impeach. Our kings we don't pray for. Right? Now, that's not the way kings work. Kings work, I will die to serve you because I believe that God put you here. And please understand, in the scripture, nothing has changed. No matter what you think about our leaders, God didn't stop being in control. The governor now, the president now, the state senators now of every state in the union are there because that's God's will right now. It doesn't matter which side of the argument you're part of. Like, we got to pray for them, but the kings we go die for, right? Now, fortunately in America, we don't go die for them because as Christians, our king is God. But because of our loyalty to him, we pray for the leaders. We bless the leaders from, from your churches to your schools, to your local government, to your county government, to your state government, to your federal government, right? To every group that tries to unite nations. Like, pray for them. Jesus presented himself as king. He forced our hand to say, kill me like a crazy man or follow me. Kill me like I'm a crazy man or follow me. Secondly, to bring that back home, Jesus is patient. Oh, right? It's It's the worst word, patient. Like, I love it when you're that with me. It's hard for me to be that with you. And so Jesus is so patient. He knows that everything has perfect timing. It was not his time, not his time, not his time. Get the donkey, it's my time. His timing was perfect. And it still is. He knows everything. He knows where the donkey is. He knew that they would encounter the people who owned it. He knew who would be in the city. He knew that there was a feast there. He knew they wouldn't get it. And once again, back to that truth. We never understand something completely. We don't see it. We don't hear it. We don't understand it until God reveals it to us. And sometimes that doesn't happen until much later. But we should never stop praying that God would show us now. And the last thing there, he won't be stopped. You won't be stopped. 
So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the people have gone after him. I mean, always and forever. (laughs) She's like, take heart, right? Like in the world, you're going to have trouble, right? If you're following me. But don't forget, like I had trouble too and I've overcome it and you will with me. He says, of course they're going to hate you. They hate me. And if you're there for me, they're not going to receive what it is you have to say. I mean, after all, we're just donkeys bringing the Lord in for the people, right? <laughs> okay, that's, that's harsh. You guys smell a whole lot better, and I think you're a whole lot smarter and more beautiful, okay? But, <laughs> but we... Uh, we see that he will not be stopped. So what? Well, here's, here's the so what on this. Great news. Great news. Like, if you've never heard this before, this is, this is the kind of truth that should make a person say, oh, man, wherever I'm at now, right? Wherever I'm at now in walking with Jesus, I'm, I'm, my eyes are opening a little bit more right? I see what you're saying. Maybe today you're just tired and it's not your day. Your time has not come, okay? But maybe today your time has come for you to come before the Lord and and go a little deeper. And so this is some really cool truth. Maybe you've never been baptized and you need to be, and you've just been rebellious to say, well, I don't need to do that to be saved. Sure. But if Jesus is your king and he got baptized and said, do it, and the first thing you say is, you're my king, but no, this is not off to a good start. Right? It's like a husband sending his wife on the honeymoon on her own. Not a good start, right? Like, yeah, okay, I'm glad we're married. Have a great trip, right? Like, this is not the way to start it. Maybe that's it. Maybe you just have been running from God and you need to come back. Maybe you've never accepted him and you've just been listening to what he's been saying like, you can take care of business with the Lord because he does it. And we have this cool thing that we do. And it's all about remembering. And there's two things here. It's called the Lord's Supper, communion. It represents, you would continue to read that if you were reading through these Gospels, that last meal he had with them, where he, he's doing what, you know, what was a Passover meal, and then he rewrites it, basically, to show that he is the fulfillment of God's promise. And in two elements, and one is this cup. And in the cup, they have wine. Here we have grape juice, okay? Um, right or wrong, it's grape juice, so don't be shocked if it has no bite. Uh, if it does, tell me it's bad. We need to throw it out. Uh, but, but the grape juice is to represent his blood, which had to be spilled, right? It was the payment for sin. And so this is blood, not like the lamb that you were doing on a more continual basis, but this is that one time, no matter how much you didn't get it, no matter how many mistakes have been made, Jesus' payment was more than enough. Right? And so when you drink that, you do it in remembrance, and basically you do that with a heart saying, Jesus, keep it coming, because, man, I'm in this world and in this flesh, and I'm making mistakes, and I'm asking you to please wash them away. Right? And then his body is represented by the bread or the cracker, and it's broken for us. You read about that on the cross, because the payment for sin is death. He died in an agonizing death. Why? Because our sin is really painful 
And God's wrath is still coming, just not for me because Jesus stepped in front of it. How cool is that? Right? Get that reality. Get that reality. Jesus comes to rescue us. And here's something that I've got to get into more. But he came not by force in a show of strength. He came not by force in a show of strength. But instead, not on a seed with a sword. Rather, he rides in on a wee little baby donkey, right? And then he doesn't even ride in in some, like, gangster donkey with machine guns mounted to destroy some people. He comes in to let them kill him. And then the one guy who's like, yeah, a sword, cuts off someone's ear, Peter. He's like, stop. And he puts the guy's ear back on. Right? But all this Christian's like, yeah, burn him. Right? Like, he's like, no, follow me. You get in your donkey and you come in and you lay down your life, man, all the things you thought it should be. And you follow the king. He comes in humbly and gently, ready to die so that you and I might really live forever. He comes in gentleness, inviting us to be weak on purpose, right? Like, so that in our weakness, he might be made strong in us. I don't know what the Lord is doing in you, but I want to invite the praise team to come back up and and just a time of reflection and invite you as you reflect, if if the spirit so leads, come and take that communion. and, And it's a beautiful time to just say, Lord, like, thank you.